Welcome to BIM Podcast, BIM in the Trenches. My name is Andy Bourne, Director and BIM Recruitment Specialist at Charter and Recruitment. This is the fourth BIM podcast in the series of BIM in the Trenches, where we get under the car bonus of a number of construction companies and see in practical terms how BIM is actually delivered, how companies implement BIM, key challenges and highlights in best practice. I'm happy to introduce Lucy Abbott, Group BIM Director of Weights Construction, a very well-known national building contractor. How, how are you, Lucy? Very well, thank you, Andy. Good, good stuff. So just for the, um, for the listeners, could you uh, give a brief introduction of yourself and, and your own BIM journey? Sure. Well, um, my name is Lucy Abbott. And I'm the BIM director for Weights. I head up our BIM department and I'm responsible for BIM implementation across the Weights group. Uh, I've worked in construction for 15 years, having joined Weights after working in architectural practice. Uh, with regards to how I came into BIM and my BIM journey, it really came about by chance. I'd reached a point in my career where I wanted a new challenge and I was looking to expand my skill sets. And at that time, the government construction strategy had just been published uh, back in uh, 2011. And the business took the decision to establish a small team to research the document and understand the the aspirations that the government was seeking to achieve and to provide feedback to the business on on the implications that this would have. Um, and I was invited to form part of a, a small team, um, and that was really my first introduction to BIM. We developed a, a business case for developing a BIM service in order that we could meet the 2016 government mandate, um, but also understand the value that BIM implementation could create for the weights business. And before that, were you were you aware, or was the company using um, some of the so- some of the like three D software at all, or is it, it's almost like you've gone to, straight into the process rather from the uh, the software side, as many many do. We had we had been uh, modelling for for some time, um, so we've been developing three D models, but they weren't uh, they weren't what we now know as intelligent BIM models. Um, we have uh, an internal uh, temporary works business, so we were developing a lot of our uh, temporary works design in 3D, oh. and uh, where we were operating with designers that were working in the same space, obviously we were able to coordinate that information, but we didn't know it then as, as BIM as we do today. Um, it was really the, the government mandate that, that kick-started that. Yeah, yeah. sure. And then also, could, could you give, um, I'm sure everyone out there, you know, has heard of weights and know, many know of them. But yeah, if you give them a, a brief overview, that'd be useful. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, weights it was established in 1897. It's a it's a family owned business um, which started out as a house builder before moving into general contracting. Uh, today, we operate in construction, development, and property services. Uh, we employ over 4,000 people and have a turnover of. Uh, one and a half billion pounds per annum. So yeah, major major firm. And we and just talking about the the history of BIM. Wait, so it sounds like the history of BIM is your is your is that is your own BIM journey itself. But if we go from 2011 when you were asked to look at the documents and get your say, well, what does BIM really mean and where we are today? How, yeah, how, can talk, talk us talk us through those those steps really. Yeah, when we started off developing the um, the BIM service, essentially it was it was a research project. So we we evaluated 
what was set out in the um, government construction strategy, looked at what the what the industry was doing generally in the BIM space, but also looked at um, other countries and, and the progress that they had made. We started off with a with a very small team. There was there were two of us, um, and um, uh, now that that group, which I now head up, has um, has increased to eight. Uh, we we now have um, BIM managers who provide kind of a consultancy based support to our project teams and, and our customers from project inception to completion. But we also have BIM technicians who uh, essentially are, are modelling specialists and they do a lot of work for us with regards to the validation process, but also the development of models, particularly in the in the 4D construction sequencing and logistics space. Nice. And when did it turn from being a research project to then the directors and everyone thinking, no, this is something that's got to, we've got to, we've complete implement completely into the business. And and was that a long, was that a, a gradual process or was it quite, quite, quite quickly realised how important it was? No, it was a, it was a very gradual process. I think when, when we started looking at the mandate, we thought that there would be a, an influx of, of projects that would would very quickly materialize and the reality was that it was actually nothing like that it was much more gradual so when we when we first started out there was actually quite a lot of skepticism around whether or not the government mandate would actually get the traction it required to force industry to instigate the wide-scale change that was required to respond to to the challenge that had been set um, and we had absolutely no demand uh, client side when when we started out um, with this process. So the the decision we had to to make is you know how how are we going to start this? And the the only way that we were able to do that is to implement BIM on on projects um, as pilots, which for us identified a number of challenges with regards to adherence to standards, our own business processes, capability of staff uh, along with that of our supply chain and really the investment that was required to ensure that we as a business could set the foundations so that we could deliver them successfully moving forward so I think it's really only um, over the last two and a half to three years we've really seen a a shift in in demand and that was really the the turning point for weights where the business could see that there was a market driver for BIM, both within the public and private sectors. Um, and so we've gradually seen an increase in the demand for BIM, and we predict this is going to uh, grow year on year. Sure. And and on that, I mean, in terms of the projects, what do you think? In terms of demand for BIM, I know your pro- project portfolio at the moment, is, there, is it about 50-50 or is there more BIM projects or not? What do you, what do you think the split is there? So the the split is um, is coming from both pu- uh, public and private sector projects. So at the moment we we are running um, around twenty BIM schemes that have got all kinds of varying BIM deliverables from just very basic three D uh, coordination all the way through to uh, BIM level two schemes. Um, moving forward, um, we, we're, we are currently tracking uh, around 40 opportunities that um, we're, we're currently currently at different stages of um, progress. So 
year on year, I think we're just we're just seeing a trend where effectively we're, we're doubling the amount of BIM projects each year. Um, and it's, it's very much being driven client side now, but equally um, as a business, um, there's there's an internal driver because we're seeing the value and the benefit that's being um, being created out of out of the process. Sure. And in terms of and it's it's all, you know this huge traction you're getting now. I mean, what, if you look at it, I know if you review how you've implemented BIM. I mean, from uh, maybe three years ago to now. I mean, what yeah, what are the like, what has it really meant? I mean, what's it what's it really taken for for that for that to happen to happen happen properly? Well, what we had to do uh, is look at the way in which we um, were developing our service. So in the in the in the front at the front end, we we had an idea of of what the service may look like, and going through the pilot projects that helped inform that process. But we got to a point in time, which was about two and a half years ago, where we um, evaluated what we were doing, and we knew that in order to deliver successfully, we needed to look at a number of key areas uh, across the business in order that we had. Um, we set the foundations really for delivering BIM successfully. So we looked at our business processes, um, our training, the capability of our, our staff and our supply chain, um, along with our IT systems, looking at things like our infrastructure, uh, the hardware, and the software applications we were using. So there were a whole range of activities that we had to essentially review, uh, refresh, analyze in order that we could ensure that the business had uh, was prepared adequately to be able to deliver them going forward. Sure, and and of and of those, I mean, I expect they were all the challenges. But yeah, if you if you if you if you sort of went through the challenge, you know, the, the key challenges for for your business, what, what, what where where do you see that to be? Oh, well, I think when you're undertaking any change management process, there are obviously numerous hurdles that you will um, you will face but one of the main challenges with um, the BIM implementation process that I've experienced has been around challenging um, established behaviours and ensuring you've got the right skills and support systems required uh, both internally within our own business and that of our supply chain to ensure that we can achieve the right results um, Ultimately, I think what we've, what's what's absolutely clear is you're only good as the people that you work with, and therefore it's <laughs> that you, you take the time to understand you've got the right knowledge and capabilities that reside within the project teams, so that we can procure the right people with the right skills and and can plug any uh, knowledge gaps where we're able. I think one of the other challenges for us um, which is ongoing uh, is around cost um, clients are, are rightly challenging weights to demonstrate how BIM will add value and reduce cost on their projects however the reality right now is that there is investment required to uh, deliver BIM effectively supply chains are upskilling within their own organizations and, and therefore in most cases are charging more uh, for changing the way in which their information is developed and delivered. Uh, we, we also, as a business, have to invest in the tools that we use to capture and validate the information to ensure it's fit for purpose. And in many cases, uh, we're actually doubling up on the information that we generate when it comes to data. 
as clients are asking for, for Kobe deliverables while still requiring the traditional operation and maintenance information to be provided. And I've seen it on the consulting side where they're, they're doing the models, but also they're doing, the, they're doing each individual drawing, aren't they? So it's almost doubling up of the workload, essentially. Yeah, it's, you know, I think the, the generation of, of drawings isn't so much an issue uh, because obviously that, that process is, is naturally generated from the models itself because there's a bit of annotation to, to deal with. And so there is, there is some resource required to ensure that that happens. But I think the, the, the biggest challenge for us is around, around the data deliverable. And, you know, I think clients will continue to ask for traditional O&M data for some time because they're, they're not yet in a place where they can absolutely trust and rely on the digital data that we're producing um, or know how to effectively use it yet. It's going to take some time to actually uh, embed that and test it to make sure that what clients are asking for at the front end is is fit for purpose once we've actually handed over the project. Sure. And one thing what I think is quite interesting at Waits, which I think it's a bit different to the other companies who, for instance, I think we spoke this before when you were talking about um, your BIM for a size of the com- country, company, Waits says it's, it's not a huge BIM team, whereas you, it looks like you're trying to enable your, was it the, the whole workforce rather than have a BIM manager on every job whose job is BIM. Is that is it was that and and is this was a big factor in trying to push the whole change of behaviour? Exactly that. You know, I think what we what we established very early on is if you have uh, a a BIM representative on on every uh, every BIM project, that individual takes on the burden of doing everything associated with BIM delivery. Whereas actually, to be effective. BIM is is a process. It, it touches all areas of our business and all all functions. So we need to ensure that we're upskilling our teams, whether they be a design manager, a planner, a quantity surveyor. We need to ensure that all of those individuals have sufficient knowledge and understanding and the skills required to be able to work effectively in uh, when when operating on a BIM project. Clearly, you still need to have technical experts within the the, the, the business to support, but um, when we're not in a place where we're just going to uh, bring in a whole ream of, of, of BIM individuals to actually meet this requirement. It's much more holistic for us. We want to actually make sure that we raise the capability of the organisation as a whole. And that, and in terms of changing, well. What did the the, the, the design managers, the, the the planners, did they initially see this as just additional work, or is now is this they just see it as business as usual? What you know, what's that? You know, how's how's that been to roll this out? I think that um, yes, certainly some people have um, have been resistant. I, I think that uh, that's natural with 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 anything that any new change initiative that you're uh, embedding within an organisation. Um, but it's it's a process of familiarity. So work with with the teams that have actually gone through and delivered BIM projects, they've they've done that hard work. They've had to invest the time in in the training and upskilling and, and, and learning new ways of, of delivering that information 
obviously the key considerations when you're embarking on a BIM project. But now they've done it once, it's much easier. Sure. Uh, and now we're just going to, essentially for us as a business, we, we've got to a, 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 a reasonably steady state in terms of knowing that we can deliver BIM projects effectively. Now we need to look at widening the application of BIM across the organisation so that we can really embed BIM within the business as along with digital process generally. Ah, and so what, what, what do you mean by that in terms of different... Um... I know departments, for instance, or what? Yeah. Exactly that. So we've we've spent quite a long time actually looking at um, processes and standards, um, and we've we've fortunately just gone through the process of actually um, uh, becoming BIM verified with the British Standards Institute, which is which is fantastic. Uh, and obviously, we've had to focus a lot of our attention around the design space, actually making sure that the information that we are receiving and the information we're developing is is uh, is accurate and fit for purpose and compliant. But there is there are huge opportunities to um, embed BIM across an organisation. So. Our strategy going forward is to look at other key areas of the business, um, whether it be planning, health and safety, operations, cost management. Effectively for us, we're we're seeing this as an opportunity to really create some fundamental efficiencies in our existing business processes. And that's really what we want to do. And by doing that, we know that we will be able to embed BIM as a as a standard way of working within a, within the organisation. So, like a fully digital organisation, as such. Exactly that. And so we t- we so we touched on behaviours. Is there any sort of key challenges that you, you you've had to um, uh, meet head on? I think probably yeah. The, the biggest challenge is around around capability. So if you look at um, our supply chain, for for example, we have we have a, adopted a mechanism for being able to uh, assess the capability of the organisations that we procure, whether they be a design consultant or a specialist subcontractor. And um, essentially, what we've got in place is uh, is an assessment process. Um, it's uh, we ask a, a number of key questions of our our supply chain members before we actually utilise their services on a on a BIM project, and that enables us to evaluate their level of capability, plug the gaps where there is there are some uh, some uh, capability challenges, uh, whether that be through. A training or, or working with that organisation, um, but fundamentally, what we've what we've understood is that we we, we cannot afford to work with organisations that aren't able to effectively deliver for us on on a BIM project. It takes risk. It um, it adds cost to the process and, and time. So we've had to um, invest in actually making sure that we get that absolutely right. With regards to our internal staff, it's it's a case of um, training and upskilling. So whether that is around uh, BIM awareness in terms of what is BIM, what does it mean, what does it mean to me as an individual, how is it going to impact my, my role and my job, to 
technical training around how you use certain tools for conducting certain types of activities, say, for example, uh, model coordinated validation. No, I see. And I mean, we, we've crept into some of the sort of, um, I know, the solutions of these these issues already. But if you sort of surmise, particularly when you're talking behaviours and the capability gaps, if you were going to look, if you were going to sort of summarise the, the key ways that you think you've, or maybe you've reached the tipping point where you're winning on it, where, where do, you know, yeah, if you could go highlight these, that'd be great. So... Uh... Do you, just so that I'm clear, what, do you mind expanding on that a little for me? Sorry, if, in terms of, you know, the key, when we talked about the key challenges as in um, behaviours, as in culture, we talked about plugging the capability gap, just mm. really seeing at what were the, your ways of, your, 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 your ways of solving these issues, basically. We, we've touched on the training aspect with regard to behaviour, but just really, just just wanted you to summarise your, your, I suppose, the key ways of, um, of trying to uh, solve the solve these issues that you've you've had. Okay, so um, with regards to capability gaps, obviously, um, it's the it's the training piece that we've already talked about. It's the it's the assessment of of capability, whether that be internal or external. Um, it's also around communication, clear communication at the at the start of a project. So it's what we do um, on on each of our schemes once we've gone through the um, assessment process to ensure we've got the right people in place is to walk through in detail the requirements of the project. For a lot of people, this is this is very new. It's a it's a it's a new requirement. So it's absolutely fundamental that they are clear on what the requirements are of the scheme and what their obligations will be on the project. So essentially, we, when we put together our, um, our execution plans, our BIM execution plans, we have uh, a round table with um, each of the design consultants and subcontractors. We walk through the requirements. We ensure that we've got their buy-in on those deliverables as well, because clearly this is, a, this is part of the collaborative process it may be you know we may have a view on how we think the project should be delivered but equally our design consultants and subcontractors need to feed into that process it needs to be a practical approach to ensure that we effectively deliver um, once we've actually established what those requirements are the the appointments of our um, of our supply chain members are um, linked in with our um, BIM execution plans. So they are, are referenced within the appointments as, as an appendices. So there is a contractual obligation on those organisations to ensure that they deliver to those requirements. I think, you know, as, as the project goes on, you, you do face inevitably hurdles and, and challenges. And it's really important that you have that um, consistent approach to working collaboratively as a team. Um, it, not only, really setting the framework out so they know exactly what's expected and what, what they need to do. Exactly that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And in, and in terms of, we look at that, the, we, 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 sometimes people talk about all, talk about all, all about the issues with BIM, but let, let's, let's move on to the, be, the benefits and what, you know, the real why we're doing this other than just purely being the mandate. And um, yeah, j just, if you just go through what the, you think the sort of the key benefits that has been, you know, to weights and the, the, you know, and the, the projects you've delivered 
Well, what we've undoubtedly found is that through the use of BIM, um, we're able to identify problems with regards to um, the, the, the compliance of the information at a much earlier stage. So we can now perform detailed audits on the information we receive at tender stage to evaluate the, the quality of the design intent along with its compliance with the employer's information requirements. And that means we can accurately price and assess the extent of the design development required, meaning that we're significantly reducing the risk of inheriting information which hasn't been adequately developed or assessed. Um, also, the, the standards and processes that, that BIM requires forces us to define in granular detail the requirements and obligations of each party, much in the same way as I was talking earlier with, with regards to the development of the execution plan. So we're, we're really reducing the, the ambiguity as well as um, the risk of non-recoverable scope variations later on in the project. I think generally um, our ability to improve the quality and compliance of the design information is, is greatly improved. It's forcing us to procure our supply chain earlier, meaning that we have a greater opportunity to influence consultant design decisions and generate early cost certainty and provide technical solutions to design intent at a, a much earlier stage. I think as the the business becomes more experienced in the use of BIM, what we've realised is that the BIM process has the potential to really act as the, the vehicle to improve the efficiency of, of all of our uh, business processes. And moving forward, this will form the basis of our ongoing strategy. We really want BIM and digital process to be completely ingrained within the business so it becomes a, a standard way of working. No, sure. And is there any sort of good examples, maybe some projects that um, particularly where it's been highlighted, the you know, from benefit, benefits you talked about there? Well, what we've what we've taken the decision to do is um, this really ties in with um, evidencing the the, uh, the value that is that is generated through BIM is that uh, when we're going through our coordination exercises, we are identifying the, the issues that have been highlighted uh, within the models once we've gone through the, the validation process. And we are evaluating the, the time and, and cost impact of resolving those issues had we not have identified them until we had got to site, which traditionally would have been the case. We, we would never have had previously this level of, of transparency with regards to the quality and coordination of that information. So that's enabling us as a business to um, track the, the, the cost and time benefit through going through this process. Is a, that is an absolutely fundamental benefit for, for us. Um, obviously, that's something that we can we can share with, with our clients. Sure. Yes, it's, it is theoretical because... <laughs> You can never run a traditional project in a at BIM the same time. Yeah. At the same time, they're <laughs> identical. Um, but it, it is actually giving us the um, uh, the ability to substantiate the reasons why, or one of the reasons why we should be doing this. Sure. No, oh, excellent. No, I think that's you know it's really useful to highlight highlight that, and it's um, I don't think. Of all the the podcasts I've gone through, I don't think anyone's been so detailed and highlighting the benefits. So is is this and is this something that you feel that the 
you know, within weights that every, you know the the tipping point's well and truly reached, and that ev- everyone sort of well the majority of the people understand the importance and know this is the, this is the only way forward. Uh, I I don't think we are that far. I think that where we've had with our project teams that have gone through the experience yes are are confident and capable but we are a huge organization yeah and and that we are we're made up of a number of businesses that sit under the umbrella of of the weights group and and to date the the majority of the momentum and demand sits within our our construction business so we need to filter that out to ensure that we've got we're, we're upskilling the, the whole of that business plus the other businesses that we that that reside within weight so this is a long time program i mean it's it's going to take much longer than we we ever initially anticipated but we what is clear is that business knows that it's the right thing to do it's committed to to actually delivering that and and that's for me, has been a, a huge turning point because the, the barriers that were previously in place in the earlier days are, are just falling away. So it's much easier for us to implement. No, good stuff. And then, and then looking into the sort of future, I mean, we talked. I know you talked about in terms of widening the um, BIM into all the different departments. But if we're looking five, ten years down the track, I mean, do, do you see? Do you see? wholesale changes in the way um you're working that that you're going to work because of not just bim but all the digital tools and just yeah an overview on that really yeah i think um there are there are tons of really exciting opportunities for us to develop our capabilities um you know we're becoming more digitally enabled and it's that's offering us um not only weights but the entire sector the the potential to diversify and innovate and, and develop new services based around the, the full asset life cycle. Um, I think where the, the greatest amount of opportunity really is um, in the, uh, the the maintenance space. You know, we assimilate oh. more knowledge about um, how buildings are performing and we need that knowledge in order to, to improve, you know, buildings can generate vast amounts of data. However, we're we're barely using this information. It's not it's not utilised effectively. But through the opportunities around smart monitoring, there's a there's a huge opportunity for us to to capture that in use performance information, and that will enable us to create that that feedback loop to improve the the design and the efficiency of of the of the buildings that that we deliver. Uh, I think that you know there there is what's absolutely certain is that the industry is only going in one direction and and that is digital um and this kind of technological advancement is really creating the opportunity for the sector to to evolve and 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 to grow it's, it's without a doubt in my mind uh, digital construction is is here to stay sure no but as, and I suppose it's looking at a building isn't just the, the the brand spanking new one you hand over you hand over it's something that you know it, it almost lives and breathes for you know hopefully another hundred years isn't it and it's mate it's looking at it over the life cycle of it exactly that you know I think that it's a it's a huge challenge for for not only us as contractors but also our clients at the moment you know they the many of our our clients aren't in house building 
uh, operators. They they often outsource that to facilities management providers, and uh, the the industry at the moment just doesn't have a clear stance on on what data is absolutely required to uh, maintain and, and operate that building effectively. So you know there there is a gap there, and it's it's. It's improving uh, for sure, but it's going to take some time to get us into a place where we know that what we are specifying at the beginning of the project is actually the right information that's needed to effectively manage that in uh, that building um, post handover and really create that that efficiency that um, that that BIM is aspiring to deliver. Sure. Well, look. Lucy, that's that's been uh, really interesting. Fa- you know, thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, like to thanks Lucy again. My name is Andy Bourne from Charleston Recruitment. Thank you and goodbye.